These are the tribulations of Paulette. Supraventricular tachycardia is not a song from Mary Poppins. It's an abnormally fast heart rhythm that came upon me without warning in the dead middle of the night. Clad in an oxygen mask provided by a kind firefighter who is now taking a poop in my bathroom, I wave goodbye to Dolly who has come to stay with my kids. She'll be relieved in a few minutes by Dave and his parents en route from the airport. No doubt they'll wonder if I can make it back in time to fix everybody breakfast. To my chagrin, they won't allow me to ride shotgun in the ambulance. You want to what, the EMT says? I can't ride facing backwards. I'll throw up, I tell him. I couldn't even do it as a kid in a station wagon. Please, I beg. They agree to allow me to remain seated and facing sideways on the gurney, which fishtails on its wheels as we proceed to the hospital. Once there, they wheel me to triage amid a plethora of gunshot wounds and stabbing victims, the moaning detritus of city streets. Fortunately, I know what to expect, having recently visited a hospital with my high school boyfriend, Ted, under coincidentally similar circumstances. They hook me up to an EKG, and my heart rate is pretty much back to normal. The doctor tells me that many things can cause the heart to beat too fast, most notably stress, caffeine, alcohol, and smoking. Do you drink caffeine, he asks. In moderation, I lie. Do you drink alcohol, he asks. In moderation, I say again, another lie. How about smoking, he asks. Never, I say, three for three. Say, I ask, changing the subject, could this be contagious? The doctor looks at me puzzled. Contagious? No, this is particular to you. I find some relief in hearing that despite the odd coincidence, I didn't catch this from being in a jacuzzi with Ted. I figured out that the secret to middle-aged serenity is a finely tuned balance of caffeine and alcohol topped up with the occasional hit from a vape pen, but the worm appears to have turned. Now that I'm faced with having to endure a substance-free 14-day visit from Dave's parents, it's highly likely that my kitchen light fixture suicide fantasy is close to fulfillment. Dave has arrived at the emergency room and he shakes his head at me over the cadre of interns surrounding my bed. Now that I'm out of danger, the mood is lighter. Did you tell them about the PG tips, Dave asks. No, I say I've denied all substance abuse. PG tips, chimes one of the interns. So now you come clean. That certainly would have given you a heart arrhythmia. Truth be told, I have been ODing on PG Tips tea, which Biscuit brought me from the UK. I'm addicted to the pyramid shape and the instant rocket fuel-like buzz. Two or three cups every afternoon while I'm making dinner is just what the doctor ordered, or in this case, didn't order. How bad can tea be? All of England is tanked up on it and whoever died from drinking too much of it. Nestled here among the wires and electrodes, I realize the irony. 
maybe I'm being too hard on Ricky and Trudy over their coffee consumption, given that I seem to have another monkey on my own back. After I get my diagnosis, I'm outfitted with a Holter monitor, which will keep track of my heart and record any subsequent events. Then I need to get an appointment with a cardiologist. The nurse provides the names of a few groups in my area. Everybody is already up when Dave and I get home at 8 a.m. Exhausted, I greet my in-laws and apologize for my absence at their arrival. Sleepless Dave showers and then leaves for his office, and I start to make breakfast. I am dying for a cup of coffee, but we're out of decaf. Because I didn't have time to set up Ricky and Trudy's separate coffee station in the pantry, they're back at their former post in the kitchen. Shoulder to shoulder, they meet out skim milk and sugar in tandem. When I hear the tinka-tinka-tinka of the spoons in the cups, my blood pressure surges. I go to the back door to see if the newspaper has come and there's nothing there. Sorry, I say to Ricky, I guess the paper is late. Nope, already got it, he says, as he walks past me with my New York Times tucked snugly under his arm. Oh, were there two papers, I ask? Nope, just the one, he says, over his shoulder. Damn, there were supposed to be two papers so Ricky can have his own. No newspaper, no coffee, no booze, no intruder. Oh, there goes my heart again. I press the button on the Holter monitor to record the skyrocketing increase in my pulse. The doctor told me I couldn't die from this, but that doesn't make it any more tolerable. Dave's mother, Trudy, sees me take my pulse and begins to dance all around me like a boxer, nervously asking if I'm okay. Her face is so close to mine, I can smell her coffee breath, at once repellent and at the same time tantalizingly attractive. I dispatch Trudy to assist the kids with getting ready for school. I grab my emergency department discharge papers and head to my bedroom. I feel anxiety on top of anxiety. No one said anything about avoiding tranquilizers, so I help myself to a Xanax. The doctor gave me written instructions for something called vagal maneuvers, which help to slow the heart down. First, I try to hold my breath. After a few minutes, my heart rate does slow slightly. The next maneuver involves immersing my face in a sink full of cold water. I try this several times to no avail. Hair dripping, I go back to the instruction sheet. Now I'm going to try to initiate a gag reflex. Do they mean gag as in bound and gagged? The only other gag I can think of is when one gags on food. That would require a large chunk of beef tenderloin. Maybe Ricky would stand by as my assistant and administer what the kids call the Heineken remover after the meat lodges in my throat. My pulse is now racing just the way it was in the middle of the night. I tie a scarf around my head in an attempt to gag myself. I conjure famous movie scenes involving Barbara Stanwyck. Then there's a knock on the door and my mother-in-law sticks her head in. She is very alarmed to see me sitting bolt upright and wide-eyed, sporting wet hair and a rather stylish gag. What on earth are you doing, Paulette, she says, running into the room. 
I talk through the scarf. It says I'm supposed to gag myself, I say, handing her the instruction sheet. I think they mean that you should put your fingers down your throat, she says, helping me to untie my prop. Right, I say. Ooh, hadn't thought of that. But I'm out of maneuver time. It's 8.20 and kids need to be brought to school. My heart is still pounding, but now that the Xanax has kicked in, I kind of feel better about it. I call my internist's office and leave a message for her to call me. Then I change into gym clothes. I'm going to try to walk this out. Back downstairs, I see Ricky at my dining room table, bent over a bowl of strawberries I hulled when I got home from the hospital. The kids think he looks like Gollum from The Lord of the Rings, except with glasses. His arms encircle his plate, face inches from his food. He chews, chews, chews every bite and cannot be disturbed while he's eating. I go into the kitchen to find the kids in their jackets and backpacks huddled at the table. They look forlorn. I'm sorry, you guys, I say. Mom's been having too much tea and it made me feel sick, so I had to go to the doctor. But I think I'm all better now. My oldest son looks up at me like he's seen a ghost. What is it, I say? What's the matter? Grandpa put Schultze in his coffee, he says, and now we can't bury him. He is referring, of course, to the dead pug. I find the gold tin, lidless, on the counter. Freaking Ricky is using my fake dog ashes as his sugar. My pulse goes through the roof. When I step into the mudroom lavatory to calm myself down, I see yesterday's Boston Herald, the pooping periodical of my plumber, in the trash. Something's not right in here. I lift the toilet seat to see that my fireman friend's midnight load is still there, along with half a roll of toilet paper that never really flushed. Oh, my God. I feel faint. My knees buckle. And then I remember what it feels like to gag. Suddenly and amazingly, my heart stops racing. The pressure in my chest is relieved. I take my pulse and it's back to normal, just like that. I've let my in-laws get the best of me and they haven't been in residence for even 12 hours. This must cease. I'm losing at Get the Guest. I send the kids outside to the car and approach Gollum, still chewing $15 worth of Driscoll strawberries at the dining room table. Ricky, I say, I'm sorry your paper didn't come today, but right now I'm leaving, and I need to take that paper with me. Here, you can have this one. In one fell swoop, I snatch my times and leave an astonished Ricky with the refrigerator repairman's calling card, yesterday's Boston Herald. Screw the arrhythmia. I've got my paper, and I'm going to go out for a goddamn cup of coffee. It's a whole new day, my precious. Yo-ho! The game's all here. Yo-ho! I just might die this year. This is Eric Fontana. It's named after the Duke. The sidewalk's itchy, getting bitchy, and it run right after you. I take my time and drink my wine. When the trees, they start to sway. 600 miles to the future, but I had to run away. 
next time, Hugging the Embankment. Till then, ta-ta. Yeah.